Optimal health for high performers. This is the Health Upgrade Podcast with Dr. Nawaz Habib. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Health Upgrade Podcast. This is Dr. Nawaz Habib, and I'm very excited for today's chat because I have a friend of mine who is doing some really amazing things here in Ontario and really want to share his story, share his vision, and share how we can help people with the quality of their food. And this is really, really important, particularly quality of their meat. And as we know that our conventional farming practices are not working well, we know that we we are lacking in our ability to get good quality nutrients into our bodies through our diet. And what Zach's goal is, is to help to allow for a lot of this nutrient density to get back into our bodies, to, to reconnect with our food. And that's exactly why he created his company, Northern Raised. So I'm really excited to have Zach here. We met uh, just a little while ago, about a year ago, on uh, a group called Dad Pod, which is a group of wonderful dads that get together and connect with one another to share stories, uh, to figure out how we can help each other, support each other, and just prop each other up as fathers. And Zach and I connected immediately. We've been in touch for months and months and just wanted to share his story. So Zach, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to chat and hear more about your story and why you created Northern Raised. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. And I, I really appreciate you, you know, putting this together. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, you know, just, just get to know you a little bit more, right? And I've got a lot of gratitude for you in terms of the work that you're doing, you know, from a functional medicine standpoint. And, you know, absolutely love the 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 mission. And, and yeah, I think, you know, the conversation around intake in particular and what our food has to contribute to, you know, functional health and, and wellness, it's really critical. So, I, yeah, I'm super excited to dive in. Amazing. I'd like to start out with your story and kind of what prompted you to get into Northern Rays to actually start the the company, but really what was the driving desire for you to get into this field? Yeah, great question. So, you know, for me, the, the journey really began, and I know for, for many as it does at a, at a low point, I was working in a corporate environment, a high stress job traveling, you know, uh, often around North America, spending a lot of time living at a hotels and, and hotel bars, you know, airports. And, you know, quite honestly, Navaz, there was a, a point where my physical body, you know, emotionally and, and, and you know, the, the stress that I was bearing, it was destroying me, right? It was, it was destroying who I am from a, from a physical standpoint and, and, you know, as well on that, on that emotional and, and, and stress-related piece as well. And, you know, I, I turned to sort of the conventional medicine routes at that point to, you know, ask questions about my gut health, about my overall stress management, you know, and really how I could be a high performer in the job that I was in. And, you know, I was disenfranchised, I think, maybe the best way to put it, really disheartened by the response that I got, you know, really, it was uh, an allopathic response of, there's a pill for this, take this once a day and, you know, let's hope you feel better and we'll see you in six months. And for whatever reason, you know, just in that moment, I had this, I had this real feeling that that wasn't the answer and that there was something more and there was something deeper, right? Something deeper to healing my gut, some, something deeper to healing stress and, you know, being able to, like I say, be a, be a high performer and, and to, you know, exist really in the world as a, as a functional you know, state of wellness, right? 
so that journey really took me down a number of different avenues, but one of the most impactful being food and thinking about intake. And it was, it was through this period of time where, you know, I was uncovering different eating patterns, things like intermittent fasting, a ketogenic based diet, and all, all these different applications of how I could live well. But as I started to get to the root of it, right, I was continually uncovering that the quality and the source from where my food came from was really truly where it started. And, and anything on top of that, were just systems to help me, you know, act on putting base level, you know, nutrient dense food into my body, right. And so, you know, I came to this place where for myself and for my family, I was trying to source um, the most high quality nutrient dense locally raised food, um, specifically meat, uh, you know, as a part of my diet and didn't find a whole lot of options that were compelling, right? There was a lack of transparency. There was a lack of information out there as to, you know, where my food truly came from. And, you know, so that really launched, you know, what Northern Raised is, but really launched my journey into understanding, you know, let's create something here where we can get to the source of our food, where we know the farmer that's, you know, behind the, the meal on our plate and really has, has exploded from there in a, in a health journey as well as, uh, you know, on the, on the business side of things. Yeah, we've we've connected and chatted about this multiple times. And your story is is unique to you, but in fact, so many of us go through this same kind of low point in our in our health and our overall kind of journey. And that really is the prompt to find the answers. And often, sadly, we're we're approaching the conventional system with with the goal of of hearing some positive news, of getting something that'll help us make positive changes. And get handed these unfortunate responses of take this and, and we'll see you in six months or some something like that. And it's just not a good enough answer because we have to live in our bodies. We have to live our 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year with ourselves. And it's sad that we don't have that, that support available as much as we would love to have. But that is just like I said, the prompt for so many different people to shift into finding that answer for themselves. And you, you mentioned that it has to be focused on that reconnection and connecting with something in some way. In your case, there were multiple uh, things. I know we talked about breath and breath work, obviously being a really big component to your, your health as well. But intake of food is huge because that's not just the nutrients and the energy sources that we're getting. It's information for our cells to function. It's telling ourselves how nutritious the food is. It's telling us how energetic it is. And it's, it's creating this very positive shift. And so that's why I, I really love connecting with you about Northern Rays, because it really does explore this, this possibility of how we can improve the intake of, of what's coming in. So when yeah. you did kind of get into it, I'd love to hear about the things that you learned about conventional farming practices and how you kind of shifted into understanding the regenerative farming, I guess, is probably where you, you have most of your info. Great question. And I agree with you, right? Like there's this process of turning back inwards to your body's intelligence and feeling that body and using, you know, nutrient density as a way to, you know, enact that body's intelligence to, to create, you know, homeostasis and to create balance within the body. Right. And, and that's what, you know, truly we're, we're trying to do. And so 
as we think about the food system as it stands today, right? And as I kind of dove into, you know, what was working and, and what's not, right? There was, there was a number of things that were compelling to me. You know, from the way that our animals are raised, you know, from an environmental perspective, right? Not only environment in the larger sense, but the environment that the animals are living in, really a big one. What our animals are being fed, right? What our animals are being fed is what we are being fed, right? And so we have to think about our food as, as being living downstream from our food, right? And I give this analogy, right? If you were aware, if you lived beside a river and you got your drinking water from that river every day and you went down with your bucket and, you know, filled your bucket for the day and, and walked back up, you know, one, one day somebody told you that upstream from you, there was a, a big chemical plant, you know, and they were dumping all their trash and all their waste into this river that you were drinking from. The chances are that most people would stop drinking from that river, right? And that's the intelligence that I'm, you know, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to tap into when it comes to our food as well and understanding that what is upstream in that food system directly impacts, you know, what we, you know, experience in, in, in consuming that food. And so it was really compelling to me to understand what are, you know, the animals that, that we're consuming as meat and protein, what are they being fed, right? You know, obviously from the ethical standpoint, and I know this is a, a hot button issue, but from the ethical standpoint as well, there was a lot of learning for me to do, you know, in terms of like, how can we make this sustainable and ethical to consume meat in a way that uh, moves away from conventional farming? And it's important for me to state that what we've done in terms of, you know, creating Northern Raised and, and, and sourcing direct from farmers this is a way to fix a broken system. And I understand that, you know, there are a lot of people listening that, you know, may have challenges with, with eating meat in their diets. And I would agree with you, right? From a, from a sustainability standpoint and from a long-term impact standpoint, the way that we are doing things today is broken. And we need to move away from these practices of, you know, uh, going to Costco and filling a cart full of hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of meat and, and, you know, bringing that home to, you know, potentially waste upwards of 50% of it, right? Like that's the stats today in Canada um, is, is close to 50% food waste, right? And so we need to shift our mindset from a consumption standpoint um, as consumers to think about what we're consuming when it comes to the sustainability of meat. But that was just, that was another one that, you know, was, was really impactful for me. So, you know, when we think about like food systems at large, and, and I'll talk specifically about Northern Rays, but this is how I think about, you know, food in, in general, right? We think about our food in four kind of key pillars. One, is it natural? Two, is it sustainable? Three, is it ethical? And four, is it local? And as a rough framework of, you know, how we're able to think about food as you're walking through the grocery store or making decisions for your own family, those are the things that are impactful for me. And that's kind of how we've gone forward and how really for, for my family, that's how I make choices about what I what I consume, not, not even, not even, you know, strictly within consuming meat, you know, but at a broader sense as well. I love that this mindset of consumption and that we just kind of take and we don't give back and we don't find out and we don't, we aren't aware of where it's coming from. We literally blindly walk through a Costco with this massive shopping cart, of course, and we're filling it up with meat that we don't know where it's come from. We don't know how it was farmed, where it was raised. Was it local? Did it have to come in through a truck from hundreds of kilometers away? Like we, we don't actually know if it was ethically sourced, if it was 
done so in a regenerative fashion where it's not depleting the nutrient status of the soil that the vegetation that they're eating is, is on. So that awareness piece is so big. And I love that, that mindset shift of getting away from being just a consumer of that product to rather being a partner with those who are creating these positive shifts and ensuring that those four pieces of the puzzle are, are ensured to be like of the highest quality, the nutrition, the ethical standards, et cetera. Like we, we just want to make sure that all of these things are, are happening. And when we partner with people that are making that shift, then we can trust that the quality of what we're getting is much, much better. hundred percent. I mean, we can all resonate with this experience of walking through the grocery aisles. And I think for, for a lot of us, you know, there are a lot of what I call semi-conscious consumers, Right. We all, I think, you know, in, in you know, 2022, we, we've got a, a general sense that, um, you know, we need to do our part. Right. We need we need to, you know, help the environment, help ourselves. You know, the, the health wave has risen. The health consciousness has risen to this point where there's a general awareness. And so I think for a lot of people, you know, they, they walk down the, the, the aisles of the grocery store looking for the products that make them feel good about consuming them. Right. Now, the, the pitfall in that is that behind that system are a set of food marketers and massive food conglomerates that understand that you care about feeling good about what you're consuming and that this is the semi-conscious, right? So we have to understand that we are constantly, constantly being marketed to. And so as you walk down the aisles of that grocery store, right, I think we've all had this experience of picking up a pack of chicken breast or, you know, some chips off the shelf. And we've got these buzzwords of organic and, and local and non-GMO and, 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 you know, farm fresh, farm to table. And it's, it's incredibly important to help people understand that these are some of the most powerful marketing tools by some of the smartest marketers you know, in the world and, and in human history, right, to control our food systems and to understand or to, to control consumer behavior um, as a result. And so a lot of the journey for me is, you know, really, how do we bring transparency to that process? How do we bring trust to that process that when you see a label, you understand exactly where it comes from and you can trace it back to the to the farmer that grew your your food you can trace through the supply chain of of you know where that animal has traveled to be here on our plates and that some deeper level to take that from semi-conscious to a conscious a fully conscious awareness of what we consume by knowing and by having traveled at least you know mentally and through the transparency process traveled through the supply chain, traveled through our food chain. We've become, as you, you know, really well put, partners in that, right? We should be partners in what we consume. We shouldn't be outsourcing that to, you know, food conglomerate down the road. Um, we shouldn't be outsourcing that piece of our health because of the critical nature that it plays um, in our overall well-being. Yeah, I love that. This idea of simply being a consumer just makes us feel disconnected from where we're really getting those nutrients and, and the information that's coming in, the energy that's coming in from it. And like you said, so many people want to be these conscious consumers, but the psychological aspect of marketing and, and those, like you said, buzzwords really, right, are ideally, if they're accurate, then phenomenal. You're getting good quality stuff. You feel really good about it. But do we really truly know when it says local, that it's within kind of a range that we feel comfortable with? Or when, when it says GMO free, like, 
do we really know for sure that it is? And so this, this really does play a role in understanding how psychology plays that really important role in what we then choose when we're at the grocery store or when we're online shopping now as, as the last couple of years have made people aware of, of other options. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get into uh, some of the things that you found when you were doing your initial research about the current agricultural conventional system that really didn't sit well with you. What were, what were some of the practices? What were some of the things that were brought to your attention that really kind of shocked you? This is a big question. There's a lot of different roads that we can go down. And I do want to avoid this sort of the shock and horror of a conventional meat system that has animals caged up in, in, in pens. And, and, you know, it's just this really, really dark picture that's, that's been painted. We can go down deep in that road. And there, there are some, you know, really awful things that have been highlighted, you know, by many, many people before me, uh, you know, about how that, that system exists. But, you know, I always like to kind of bring the, the positive spin to it. And, and even the, the folks that potentially aren't, you know, doing things uh, or raising animals in, in a perfect environment, they're still doing their best in a lot of ways. And we have to recognize that the individual farmers are, are, are doing their best um, to exist within a system that, you know, truly Nevaz, it financially incentivizes them to turn a bigger animal faster in the market, right? And so that that to me was was really compelling to know as I thought about the the actual storyline of these individual farmers because I thought to myself having met farming people and and I mean these are good people. These are, you know, honest and hardworking people. And I thought to myself, you know, how, how do we have a system that, you know, treats animals in this despicable way that you've seen on documentaries and, and stuff? And, and while that does exist, commercial farming is absolutely a piece of this puzzle. And, and it's a, you know, it's a broken piece of the puzzle. You know, what I found surprisingly is that the majority of the farmers, they, they truly cared. But the system itself was incentivizing them to act in a way that may not be in the best interest of the animal, certainly isn't in the best interest and product that we receive as consumers from a nutrient density standpoint. And they are, you know, really, really subject to a larger uh, financial system that has removed our food sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And so there's something that really was compelling to me. It was really this, this coming to this realization that we have lost food sovereignty right? We do not have control about where our food comes from. We do not have control as to how it was produced. And even the producers themselves mm -hmm. do not have control over that system, right? And so you've got, like I say, farmers that are, that are financially and economically incentivized to move larger animals quicker through our system. And the only way that they can do that is, you know, through grain-heavy diets, using synthetic hormones and, and additives, um, you know, making sure that the animals can turn faster and heavier, putting animals in feedlot environments, um, you know, to get that fattening process, you know, towards end of life processing, right? So that was the big realization for me. It's not the individual farmer, it's a broader system at play that was broken. As you uncover the pieces of that, and you really seek out um, food sovereignty and trying to push for, hey, I, I need to have my hand in this system. I need to be a part of my food chain. That's the really compelling thing to me that stood out in the process. Yeah, I love that. You really brought up an important point there uh, with regards to these individuals are not making these choices out of any other reason than financially being incentivized. And, and a lot of them are 
are barely making ends meet as it currently stands, right? And and for me, I think it comes down to the fact that, especially in North America, we tend to be focused on quantity over quality. And that's why it's so important for them to bring up this idea of faster, bigger, and prepared as quickly as possible, right? Like they want us to have more sooner. And we have created that system by our consumption patterns. And so it really does come down to, yeah, the quantity does matter, but the quality is being depleted because we're so focused on quantity and speed. And so the quality really does play this really important role. And that's where we can utilize this partnership and actually create this idea of being a partner in where that comes from and how we support the farmers to do that. Because then we, as partners, can incentivize those farmers to not go down that conventional path. And I believe that's what you guys have done with Northern Raised is to help farmers take back control of how they farm, how they create the quality of, of meat that you're then able to, to ship out and do so in a local fashion, do so in a very specialized fashion for local environments and, and to allow those farmers to not have to resort to these current systemic challenges of conventional farming practices. Yeah. We, we have to understand that food, as much as anything else in the world, has you know fallen victim to a capitalist model that is highly, highly profit driven. It's driven on mass consumption. You know, we've, we've seen this entire shift as well to ultra processed. And there's a whole history lesson, right? You know, starting I didn't I encourage people to, you know, kind of get back into the history of the Green Revolution. Right. Where we just understand or we, we came to this point in history where uh, mass production, especially of monocropping, but, you know, mass production of food in general, you know, was was instated in, you know, the, the late 40s and, and early 50s, you know, and that sparked this, you know, really capitalistic model of how we were going to produce food for profit at mass scale. And that has evolved through, you know, a, a bunch of different iterations to where now the majority of the food in a grocery store is dominated by ultra processed, highly refined grains, oils, and processed, ultra processed ingredients. We're not, we're beyond processed, you know, process is, is taking a steak and putting a steak on, on the barbecue or taking, you know, some, some peppers and stir frying some peppers that's processed, right? We're now into ultra processed where the food doesn't even look like the food that it came from. Yeah. And so, you know, when we think about that consumption pattern, you're absolutely right. We need to put our hat in the ring. You know, if this is something we truly care about, we know that the results from a certainly from a metabolic standpoint, from a health standpoint, as, as you would would well tell that story. We know those benefits at, at the end when it, when it comes to consuming nutrient dense food. And is, so if we care about that. We need to put our hat in this ring of saying, I'm going to help incentivize these farmers to do and to raise livestock in the right way. And, and, and Navaz, this conversation goes beyond meat as well, right? Like I don't want to just solely narrow in on meat. This is a broader conversation about food in general, yeah. right? And, and, you know, really, as we look at an epidemic of diabetes and heart disease, you know, that that's tearing up North America at a, an alarming rate, right? And even at much lower grades of, uh, you know, autoimmune diseases and really down to the baseline of just even the stress that we feel on a day-to-day -day basis and what we're learning now about the microbiome and, and gut intelligence, right? The research and the, and the outcomes of these things are impactful. And so we need to be as impactful and as proactive to incentivize a system that produces food and produces meat, in, in this case for, for Northern Rays, but beyond, 
produces food that fuels that that system rather than you know feeds into the old system that we've been working with. No question about it. There's a a quote from a book. Funny enough, the book is by Garrett Gunderson called "Killing Sacred Cows," and I highly recommend for anybody who wants to kind of change their financial mindset, change their mentality about money. Highly recommend that book. But he has a very specific line that resonates with me all the time. Each dollar you spend is a vote for the type of world you want to live in. And it, it literally says, if I'm willing to go and spend good earned money on good quality food, then I'm providing that value back to the farmers, back to the sources of these optimal, optimally raised livestock, optimally farmed vegetables and fruits and whatnot because that's the type of world that I want to live in. And when we go and we make a decision simply based on, and in in certain cases, financial restrictions will be there. There's no question about it. But what we're saying is make the best choices based on what you're capable of, I think is really an important point here is if you can't afford to go 100% organic and get grass-fed beef and, and organic chicken, that's okay. Do the best with what you have right now. And as these things shift, and here's the crazy part, as you start to make those decisions, funny enough, that value starts to reappear in your life in certain ways, and you can start to make better decisions down the road and be able to invest in the quality of your food at a greater level as you continue on down that path. The amazing thing about this is when you shift your mindset to that thought process that I'm not giving my money for this, I'm investing in something that is going to come back to me, you start to realize that it's just an investment and that it will pay you back in other ways. And that's where your energy is going to shift. That's where your health is going to be so much better. You're going to be able to get up in the morning, energized, ready to do stuff, ready to make a change in your life, in your health, in in how you show up at work, whatever it is. And all of a sudden the money starts to come back in and you're able to do that type of thing. So Really, this is an important piece of the puzzle that every dollar you spend is a vote for the type of world you want to live in. I love that quote. And, and it is an important thing to touch on, right, is, is this idea around cost and what, it, what food costs us. And it's so interesting. I have this conversation, you know, a lot, right, because a part of the food sovereignty, right, is to bring food sovereignty for all people, right? And and to understand that, you know, natural food should not be for the upper wealthy echelon of, of our society, right? That this should be uh, an accessible element, right? And if we look historically, you know, going back to this example of highly processed food, right? We, we have historically incentivized this system to mass produce food. And along with the mass production of food came the lobbying of, of governments and, you know, large, large organizational bodies, right, to subsidize the cost back to the producers so that they're able to financially profit from this, right, profit-driven system. So they're looking for those, you know, s- subsidies and we're seeing, you know, food is this, you know, baseline element that, you know, we should have access to. Highly, highly subsidized commoditized prices are driven down right in in this you know capitalistic mindset we have prices driven down and people now see food as a pure commodity and so when you go to the grocery store the thing that catches your eye is the things on sale and what are the things on sale well typically they're the ultra processed foods that came from the highly subsidized system that's been set in place for the past you know 100 some something years and so when we think about cost, and this is where con- conscious consumption can play a role, right? 
we often have, you know, the conversation to say, well, you know, meat, meat is expensive. And yes, meat is expensive. Oh, I want to absolutely, you know, validate that uh, the consumption of meat today is an expensive ordeal. However, what if we lived in a world where you were only consuming meat three times a week? You know, what, what, if, what if we reduced our consumption? And what if we got away from this mindset that every single meal has to come with a heaping portion of, of you know, chicken breast or, you know, steak and that every steak needed to be a 12 or a 14 ounce monster, you know, this is the overconsumption that's really fueled by our trip to the fast food store because at, you know, the fast food restaurant down the road, they want you to buy, they want you to buy again, and they want the, the quantity of your consumption to fuel their business model. And so we have to reverse engineer this. We have to reverse engineer the cost that it is to invest in your food, think about the consumption and work your way backwards. And I think it's really beautifully put that you work within your means. As this system evolves, we are changing this. We are making this more accessible, right? We're incentivizing farmers to produce you know, high, high quality food that more people will have access to. But along the way, really all we're asking is for people to do their best. That's all you and I can ask for ourselves. And what we can ask from, from society at large is, is to do your best in being a conscious consumer and really, you put it well, seeing food as an investment. Yeah. To elaborate or to kind of dig deeper into that, what, what's happened is with this heavily capitalistic environment that we live in, the financial model that we currently are in, we've, we've also been incentivized to look for convenience. And the convenience factor is huge because it's hard to cook meals every day. It's hard. It's a lot of work, right? Like myself and my wife, we, we can't cook every single meal for the four of us at home. It's, it's not doable. And so this convenience aspect does play a major role in a lot of our lives. And so how do we make those better decisions? How do we ensure that the stuff that we're feeding our kids isn't a victim of that convenience-focused mindset? And how do we make the better choices to ensure that they have good nutrient quality food with high nutrient density at the most reasonable cost that we can get it at? And we're, we're making that decision to not have big meals with a heaping steak or tons of chicken or, or animal protein at every single meal, right? We, we make that conscious decision and that's something that everybody can do and, and at some point should attempt to do because you will reap the benefits of that. Because if we're just focused purely on a convenience uh, intake of, of nutrients and that we're the end user of that, then we're not using it correctly. And it's in fact using us to drive the capital for the investors, for the shareholders, for this capitalist system that I'm, I'm for capitalism. But I think there's a line that needs to be drawn when, when there's enough, then that should be it. And each person is going to have their, their different definition of enough. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. We don't necessarily need to go there right now. A capitalist system works within reason. But when it's too far, that's where we start to decrease quality. That's where we start to, to cut corners and the people that are at the end point, the people that tend to be unfortunate at those lower socioeconomic points tend to be the victims of this because they're so focused on the next paycheck and making ends meet that they, they 
are pushed into this convenience mindset and just having food to not feel hungry anymore, rather than having food to fuel the positive of, of what's possible. Absolutely. Yeah, really, really well put. I'd love to kind of dig a little bit further into the farming practices and what you look for when you are partnering with a farmer in terms of their regenerative farming, in terms of the quality of the meat and, and other, other stuff that you, you guys look for at Northern Raised. Yeah, 100%. Really the biggest focus for us is to bring transparency to this process and, and connect you with your food. So going back, I mentioned earlier to sort of our four tenants or pillars of how we think about our business, right? Is it natural? Is it sustainable? Is it ethical? And is it local? Right. And so when we go out to, you know, the, the farming communities, when we go to find new partnerships, these are the things that we hold and validate our partnerships against. Right. So, you know, starting on that natural, natural piece. Right. This is the element where we think about the natural environment in which the animal was raised. Are they as close to a species specific environment that, you know, we can create within reason? from a feed perspective, right? Are they consuming as close to a species specific diet as they possibly can? That in turn is going to create, you know, your, your high nutrient dense, naturally raised livestock, right? So, so that, that's, our, that's our natural pillar. From a sustainability standpoint, this is a really interesting one. This one can get really deep. We can go lots of different ways with this, but the word regenerative is a, is a beautiful term. To think about Partnering with farmers who are thinking in a regenerative manner and seeing their farm and this system as a really, I think about this as a as a system made up of systems, right? So we have the broader system that is a functional, you know, working farm. And within that, there can be multiple, multiple gears of, of this of this machine that all fuel and, and drive momentum into each other, right? And there are some incredible practices that, you know, farmers are digging into now as they look at what can we do from a regenerative standpoint to do rotational grazing, to compost and recycle, you know, manure back into, you know, a feed system, soil health, focused on soil health. That is, it's, it's probably the kingpin of regenerative farming is, um, you know, getting to a point where we are revitalizing the soil you know, through, through the process of ruminant animals and grazing and, and the, the carbon sequestration that happens in that process, yes. not only from, from the farmers on the point of sustainability, but then we start to think about uh, right through the food chain, right? And, and how does it get to your plate? Are we working with farmers that are processing their animals locally, right? Our farmers use local abattoirs, butchers that are within sometimes kilometers down the road of the, the base farm. And so those animals only really travel, you know, maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes to get to, you know, a final destination for processing. And then in our business, right, it's how do we make this more sustainable from a transportation perspective, consolidating deliveries using uh, sustainable and recyclable packaging. We include a, uh, a recyclable bag and, and recyclable ice packs and things like this. Everything can be reused. And we ask our clients, you know, right, right, on, right on the box, we ask you to reuse these things to think right through the food chain. Your food does not show up in a white styrofoam tray. You know, that's really, really critical to us. And so as much as we can, we're thinking about sustainability right to the moment that it hits your plate. Pause on the sustainability yeah. thing for one quick moment. For anybody who's really interested in learning more about these regenerative farming practices, very similar to what Zach's talking about here. There's a really awesome movie called Sacred Cow. 
you've got the book there. Amazing. So the book uh, has Rob Wolf, Diana Rogers are, are the main authors there. It really goes to show that it's not about the consumption of meat only. It's how does that meat connect to the entire ecosystem? How does that meat connect to the land, to the nutrients, to all of that? So for those who are really interested, there's a film called Sacred Cow. There's a book called Sacred Cow. Highly, highly recommend uh, looking into that if that's something that interests you. Couldn't agree more. It's one of the best resources that I have ever come across to tell the story. And it tells it on a, a number of different levels, you know, including a health and a nutrient level, which is, you know, very interesting, makes a, a great case for just doing our best in, in the consumption that we have. It doesn't need to be, you know, a trip to, to Whole Foods every, every day. It's, it's doing our best. 100% recognize it and uh, recommend that book. Then we move down that decision-making tree, right, to the, to the ethics. Ethics, when it comes to meat consumption, is, you know, absolutely the elephant in the room. It is the hot button topic of how we think about consuming meat. And this really varies from person to person. You know, personally speaking, I am very open to each one of us having a conscious connection with the intake of what we put in our bodies. And if the process of uncovering a conscious connection to your food comes with a either a decrease or a a removal of animal products, you know, for a period of time, for a season, as a larger lifestyle change, I am completely and well open to that and and have no dog in the fight of uh, veganism versus omnivores versus carnivores. There's a lot of dissent there. And really what I what I encourage people to do in this ethical conversation when they think about the ethics of of meat consumption it's to do your research, right? It's to get in and actually meet the farmers. I, I'd love to connect people with the farmers that we use and, and hear from them firsthand about how they care for these animals. Yes, end of life and processing, it's a part of meat consumption. There's some really interesting arguments to be made that as we think about moving away from meat consumption, that that actually doesn't reduce harm and it may in fact increase harm right? You think about the process of, of monocropping or turning, you know, large swaths of land into farmable land for, you know, the, the, the king monocrops and the amount of destruction of life that has to go into that process in order for us to produce highly or ultra processed foods. And so, you know, that juxtaposed against the taking of a single life and thinking about that single life in its entirety, consuming it in its entirety you know, that that's a really interesting kind of thought process, one of many. And just so I, I really advocate for people to go down that journey of consumption. And if it leads them to the point where they, you know, decide that meat is not for them, then, then by all means, I say, you know, follow your intuition and, and what you've, you've discovered. Yeah. What I've uncovered in the process of talking to local farmers all over Ontario is that there are a community of people that care deeply about their animals. They see these animals as a part of their, you know, broader families. They feed their families through the, the process of, of farming. And when you see firsthand the way that these animals are treated, I think it would be a perspective change for, for a lot of folks versus, you know, and this is why I don't want to get too far down the, the demonization of conventional meat and, and big farming and feedlots and stuff. Yes, that exists, but there's, a, there's another reality that we can tap into there. And then finally, you know, it's the local tenant for us. That's huge. Uh, this is really exciting. This is to me where we are taking back food sovereignty. 
right? We're putting dollars back into the local economy. We're voting with our dollars, as you've mentioned, right, to support local economy. And the local economic food chain of what that, the impacts that that has, I mean, you know, certainly throughout the course of the pandemic, we've all understood, you know, being brought really close to home in terms of, you know, what impact a local business has on local economy and, and on our ecosystem as a society. And so this is a really exciting part where, you know, we get to walk out our front door and, you know, essentially walk across the street. All of our farmers are within about a hundred kilometer radius you know, of, of the greater Toronto area. And so we can go visit these guys firsthand, you know, meet, meet the people behind our food, tell their stories. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about what we've done with Northern Raised is that each one of your products, you know, the farmer that it, that it's come from, you can go on the website, you can see their profile, you can get in touch with them. We, we'd love to connect you with those, these people directly. If you have, you know, questions about all, all the different, you know, aspects of, of the process. And so, that's the part that excites me. It's the people, right? It's the relationships that we're able to invest in. And yeah, it's, it's what excites me about that, that local piece brings it all in and ties in the, the natural aspect. It ties in the sustainability and it ties in the ethics. I love it. And that's exactly why last night I truly enjoyed a nice, it was around 12 ounces of ribeye steak from Northern Raised yesterday and have been for months now. I, I love it. The quality of what you're sharing with the world, how you're connecting people back to their local communities in an ethical, sustainable, and natural manner. That's, that's exactly why you and I have been able to build a relationship so, so strong, so deep as, as we have over the last uh, year and a bit. So it's phenomenal for you to be able to share your story. I'm honored that you were able to come on and share this if anybody is really interested in picking up some, some meat, learning more about Northern Rays, your practices. And like, I know for a personal fact that you drive out to the farm to meet the farmers, to see what they're doing and how they're raising their animals and actually gauging if these are good partners for you. So I know that I, I trust every single piece of what your company is doing. And I'm a very, very big fan and very proud supporter of it. So if anybody who, who does want to kind of learn more, where can they go? How can they learn more about it uh, with you? Yeah, 100%. So easiest thing is northernraise.ca. You know, there you'll find our entire system and community. And I'd love for people to, you know, just spend a couple of minutes checking out some of the resources that, that they have and, and spending some time on the website. Obviously, the social media aspect as well. Uh, so Northern Raised Meets is our Instagram handle and you can follow along there. We do, you know, as, as much as we can from a storytelling aspect there. And there's, you know, a lot of content that you can um, interact with there and get in touch with us. And then, you know, personally as well, I love to connect with people. I love to journey with people as they have questions about this stuff and are looking for alternatives, want to, you know, speak to a, a person about, you know, what food consumption means to them. And so um, my personal Instagram, Zach, Z-A-C-K dot N-U-C, Zach dot Nuke. You know, that's where you can find me. And I love to just, you know, share what I'm eating every day and, you know, have that conversation with people as well. So that's always really fun. So yeah, you know, th those three, but starting at northernraise.ca um, is an amazing place. And, and if you're there, we do have a discount code set up for the health upgrade community. So if you've uh, gone through the process and feel compelled to, you know, put together a cart and check out, we really appreciate that. Just enter the code UPGRADE20. 
That'll save you 20 bucks. So upgrade 20 at your checkout. And uh, yeah, just incredibly grateful that, you know, people would take the time to do that. I love that. Zach, you and I are growing this, this relationship and, and just working together. And I love the partnership that we've created. I'm honored that you were able to come on and share your story and share uh, your vision with Northern Raised. And for those of you out there who are definitely interested in learning more, please go to northernraised.ca, follow Instagram, follow wherever you want on social. And if you are interested, that 20 bucks off is, is an amazing deal. So definitely go and do that. The code again is upgrade 20. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Zach, for joining us. This was a wonderful chat. I'm sure we can have much deeper, longer conversations as we have in the past. And we'll probably have you on at some point again soon. So look out for that episode in the future. All right, guys. Love it, man. Thank you so much, Navaz. And thanks to the Health Upgrade community. Um, we just really appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, yeah, can't wait for round two. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks.